Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we are here to discuss the Uncanny X-Men number 155. There's no bike on sale or, or contest, victory, whatever. Yeah, man. Cover date is a March of 1982, and the on-sale date is December 8th of 1981. And there is a new window, or what, what would you call that? I don't know what you call that. the upper left-hand corner of the, the, the visualization of... Why do they even have those? I don't know. It's just kind of always been there. Uh, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> even in the old X-Men, you had some lame drawing of all of the X-Men doing stupid stuff in that little box. I don't know. I've always I liked if it. there's like an old reason for it. Like people used to flip through and just look at the tops of comic books and they'd be like, oh, this is one with my favorite characters. Yeah. I mean, and it doesn't even really seem to be all that dynamic because usually, usually they're like little stamps because sometimes the costumes don't match or uh, generally they have the team members right. Sometimes they'll add like if Angel's going to be in the issue, they'll put his head in there. But yeah, listeners, if you can give us the history or the origin or why this box exists, send it our way. We'd, I, I would be interested in that. I have no idea. This issue is titled First Blood Before I, Before I Forget. John Rambo, a drifter, just passing through their town. Are you telling me that 200 men against your boy is a no-win situation for us? You send that many, don't forget one thing. A good supply of body bags. Sylvester Stallone, this time he's fighting for his life. First blood. Okay, uh... Well, interestingly enough, in the last issue, uh, it teased us that the next issue would be called Deathbird. But, you know, whatever. That's interesting, because two issues ago, they teased us that we would be re-encountering an old foe of Carol Danvers. Oh. Oh. In the last issue, which that never happened. Yeah, weird. Somebody does not have their uh, uh, their timelines all planned out in here. Or maybe Chris Claremont just keeps changing it up. Well, Next week, I'm going to bring Rogue back. <laughs> nope. Well, spoilers. The issue it tells us that the next issue is called is also incorrect, but they do get back on track after that. That's good. Um, the cover of this one features Corsair, Tigra, Wolverine. And... I thought that was Kitty Pride. What are you talking about? Well, she's orange and she's, well. That's, that's not Kitty Pride and Nightcrawler on the back? No, no, no. Well, how do they get knocked off the cover? Yes, Corsair uh, does kind of look like Nightcrawler with his image inducer, doesn't he? <laughs> well, I guess Nightcrawler can look like anybody with his image inducer, so so yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Storm, she's in there, she's crying, uh, and Cyclops is uh, leaning over the apparently dead body of Colossus. And Wolverine, his ears have never looked longer. Yeah. <laughs> His brow is furrowed. He looks sad. Incidentally, this cover is also the cover of Marvel Masterworks' The Uncanny X-Men Volume 7. So. Mm. Yes, sir. This one is written by Chris Claremont, uh, drawn by Dave Cockrum, penciled by Bob Wiasek. Joe Rosen is a letter. Oh. Glenn is... Wait, you just said penciled by Bob Wiasek. It's inked by Bob Wiasek. Meh. <laughs> Glennis Ween is the colorist, Luis Jones is the editor, and Jim Shooter is the editor-in-chief. But you're right, yes, Bob Wesiak would be the inker, not the penciler. That would be Dave Cockrum. But who cares, right? We're just here for this story. We left off with uh, 
Corsair having blown up a whole bunch of bad guys in order to save the lives of a, a fleeing storm and Cyclops. Cyclops having just discovered that Corsair is his daddy dearest. Dun, dun, dun. Everybody is sitting in the cockpit of the airplane. For a little bit, there's a little bit of a silence there as they're all kind of uh, thinking about the events that have just occurred. Aurora thinks she knows how Scott feels, but Cyclops says no. Cyclops is very angry. He calls Storm a liar, but she's not really a liar. She just didn't tell Cyclops that Corsair was his father, but he never asked, so... I thought you were my friend. I am your friend. <laughs> I promised Jean I would not reveal the truth to you. And then Cyclops is like, what? Why didn't she tell me? For God's sakes. We had that one consummation. <laughs> on the butt. Remember the butt? <laughs> she could have told me on the butt when we were consummating, but she didn't. <laughs> uh, he points out that even though their minds were linked and rapport. Why would she not tell me? Court. And that's when Corsair steps in and says, Because I asked her not to. I'd been away from Earth too long. I had no intention of going back. And I, since you've obviously forgotten me, I thought it better not to reveal myself as a father you'd see once, briefly, and probably never again. He wanted to spare Cyclops the pain. But Cyclops is like, well, you sure you just weren't guilty because you deserted your children? He stands up to face Corsair and Storm's like, oh, I better take the, the, the flight uh, controls because no one's flying the plane. She says, Cyclops, I don't know how to fly this thing. <laughs> Please sit down back at the controls. I am frightened. I'm dealing with my father now. You shut up, liar. You fly the plane, friend. <laughs> So we find out that Corsair, uh, I mean, as Cyclops and Havoc were pushed out of the airplane with their one parachute, they were able to catch a glimpse of the parachute catching on fire, and so they assumed the worst. The children died. Later, Corsair was, and his wife Anne were taken uh, uh, aboard one of the Shi'ar spaceships, and uh, Anne was murdered, and Corsair sold into slavery. So he's like, Whiff. well, I don't got nothing to live for. My entire family's been slaughtered. Yeah, he's basically like, I had stuff going on. I didn't have time to come back and visit you guys. Plus, I thought you were dead. I couldn't deal with your drama. I had my own stuff going on. <laughs> all I kept hearing was all about your deadly eyes. I didn't want to come back. <laughs> Cyclops still quite isn't borrow or buying, and he's like, I've got baggage, too. I was in an orphanage, and it was scary and sad, and I wanted somebody to sweep me away from there. So... You're as bad as villains I fight, Dad. And then it turns out my dad's a pirate, as ruthless, as cold-blooded as the villains the X-Men fight. I know this because we've, we've really talked a lot. <laughs> well, it's a good thing that this heartfelt moment is interrupted because the spaceship is teleported by a transporter beam. Directly into the Shi'ar uh, spaceship orbiting Earth. Which um, that begs the question, did Corsair really need to destroy the Sidri last issue? Apparently not. <laughs> I guess I don't really know. They just could have kept flying, and eventually the Shi'ar would have beamed them aboard. Of course, he didn't know that, but yeah, still. Yeah. Uh, where were they going? <laughs> uh, weren't they going to regroup with the Professor or some such stuff? I don't know. I think, I don't really know. The they... mansion was just destroyed, so... 
Presumably they're going to go to Magneto's Island. I guess so. They don't really say that, but in the last issue, they blow up the oil rig. Coloss- or Cyclops is like, you got some splaining to do, mister. And that's <laughs> it. And then we go into the next issue. So they're just kind of flying around. But I mean, it's safe to assume they're heading out to Magneto's Island. But they don't need to because as they are beamed aboard the Shi'ar Dreadnought, so too are the X-Men from Magneto's Island. Isn't that convenient? It is. Um... So we got Colossus, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, the Professor in his fancy hat, and Kitty Pride in a bathing suit who apparently was in mid-swimming and describing her swimming techniques as she comes to and says, Backstroke? Hey, where's the ocean? I Where am I? Not only is she in a bathing suit, she's in a bikini. Well, yeah, we, we're used to that. Oh. It's like every other issue, she's in a bikini these days. Okay, women in the Marvel Universe just wear bikinis. They don't wear, like, one pieces. Got it. I guess. Maybe that's the deal. Um, Carol Danvers is nowhere to be seen, so not, uh, hopefully not on Magneto's Island by herself. Hopefully, was Moira McTaggart there? Yeah, it's just Carol and Moira hanging out on Magneto's Island. What happened to everybody? I don't know. Just X-Men stuff. Uh, Wolverine pops his claws, but... Cyclops is like, or uh, Professor X is like, no, there's no danger, even though we all just got beamed onto a Shi'ar spaceship. No danger. I sense it. And then the Professor says, sees Scott and Storm and thinks to himself, I've never sensed such turmoil in Scott's thought. And no wonder, Corsair is his father. Oh, did I do a little mind reading there? Oh, I, I might have just done a little mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> My bad. Your thoughts were just so loud, I couldn't help but overhear them. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, they were really... I could I could tell by your loud thoughts that Corsair was your father. I didn't read your mind. Gladiator and his band of guys that we last saw, what, X-Men 101 when they were fighting over Dark Phoenix? He shows up, and he's like, Hey, these are the X-Men. They're actually not that bad. Welcome. Grey Lord Chancellor Araki and uh, Admiral... Was Samedar, I think, eventually we discover. Yeah. Um, they don't, well, Iraqi knows who the X-Men are, but Samedar's like, who are these dudes? And that's when Iraqi says, had you scanned the briefing tapes I provided, Admiral, you would know. These X-Men are a band of mutants, humans born with enhanced physical or mental abilities, gathered together by their teacher, Professor Charles Xavier. Though feared and hated, this is where he turns into Stanley. <laughs> Though feared and hated by many of their fellow Terrans, they are a force for justice and their world. Excelsior. This is definitely a jumping-on issue for new fans of the X-Men. You betcha. We just got their backstory in two panels. Uh, (laughs) Who are these X-Men? The professor's like, relax, or remain calm, X-Men. I know there's no law of loss between us, but we will not fight unless we're provoked. Uh, And... That's when the professor demands to find uh, Empress Lilandra for an audience. That is not possible, Xavier. If if you would learn the reason why, follow me. So we get a little retelling of what we learned last issue. Lilandra was kidnapped. All of the evidence points to a place on Earth. And the Starjammers have been implicated in this plot somehow. They don't say anything about the Starjammers or Corsair. Well, they do later. So, But it's all kind of interrelated. Uh, interesting Wolverine here. The professor thinks, who is responsible for this outrage, Iraqi? Why did they do it? Where have they taken her? Wolverine's like, who cares? 
this is Shi'ar problem, Charlie. It's none of our concern, even though you're into that Lelandra chick. I don't care. Well, Beat me off. Yeah, I mean, this is more of a professor issue and less of an X-Man issue. But the professor, he's like, wrong. Well, somebody's no, like... that's uh, that's Iraqi, I think. Somebody says wrong. Uh, the trail leads to Earth. The evidence implicates inhabitants of your world. Are, Are you... you serious? We can barely fly to the flaming moon, bub. You clowns live in another galaxy. Touche. <laughs> uh, suppose Lalandra is here. What do you propose to do about it? This is where Iraqi... We are sa- going to destroy the Earth! Iraqi <laughs> uh, says you're going to liberate her if she's alive, Avenger if she's dead. And this is where he goes on to say Corsair is one of the conspirators. He will be punished for his treason. So you're right, they don't mention the Star Jammers, just Corsair. Uh, we will use Xavier's psychic bond to find the Empress. And Professor's like, nope, that's going to raise psi alarms. Can't do that. Yeah, he seems to think they're rushing into it a little too violently and they're going to get Lalandra killed. So he invokes Shivarin Halanua, the Imperial Consort Law, forbidding or allowing her to him to overrule Iraqi's judgment. And it's not a, take it. It's not a law, Adam. That's his title. And well, Ad- I know, but he he invokes his right as the Shivarinu Yes. <laughs> and uh, Iraqi's like. It, it's really funny that um, this. this what is it? Is it same? No, it's Iraqi. Iraqi and all of these panels has like something on his head. Yeah. So in this last panel on this page, it looks like it's a creature standing on his hair or his helmet, whatever it is. But in the next one, it looks like it's going right through his head. <laughs> so it's just floating. Whatever it is, it's floating nearby at all times. But I like the fact that it's on his head in this one panel. <laughs> oh, I'm tired of flying. <laughs> floating takes a lot of energy out of me. Iraqi says. Uh, yes, you are the consort, the chosen life mate, and uh, we will follow your orders to a point for twenty-four hours. Yes, one of your world, one rotation of your world around its planetary axis. Yes, as a good faith uh, gesture, he will require Iraqi requires two students to remain here as a hostage. So they. Uh, z- the professor says, Cyclops, I'd appreciate your suggestions in this matter. Oh, and yours also, Storm, uh, of course. Storm's like, what? Thinks to herself, I am team leader now, yet the professor has Scott first. Well, as Scott said, old habits do die hard. Either that or the professor's just a jerk. He's a chauvinist, a male chauvinist pig. Well, the plan, I guess, is briefly discussed off panel. Kitty is like, Professor. It's reluctantly unanimous, so everybody thought, uh, Kitty and Nightcrawler. <laughs> <laughs> and the reluctance came from Kitty and Nightcrawler. Uh, I don't know about this, Professor. I think I could teleport to Lelandra. Oh, I'm, I am not very useful. The Professor, again, uh, using his ridiculous like inability to not be a jerk, slams all of the knowledge of the Shi'ar computers into kitty's head in a matter of of seconds without warning her oh do you think that that was discussed as part of this plan or did they just surprise or did he just surprise kitty sure doesn't look like it because he looks pretty mad here where he transfers his knowledge he's like okay now i'm gonna do it bam well she he he says she is all right x-men she merely fainted so it looks like other the other x-men are just like what the Yeah, but I don't know if that's like cover. The professor is not a guy who discusses his plans with the his the people underneath him. 
Uh, he just acts. He just does what he does because he's the professor and he knows best. Uh, so he could have warned them all, like you know, telepathically. Yeah, but no, nope. So they all teleport back down to the planet surface, except for Kitty and Nightcrawler, who are to remain aboard the ship. Why didn't he put it in Nightcrawler's head? He only had time for one mind transference. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh. They uh, are teleported back down to the uh, school. The professor is a little upset that the school is sort of destroyed. But no matter, they jump into a vehicle of some kind, we don't know which, and head off to the Avengers Mansion to seek some help. Because the panel captions say, this is serious business. They they call up the Avengers, um, and they call the, the Fantastic Four. They need to get some help, but all these people are busy. Yep. Um, that's when they call Beast and Iceman and Angel. Um, no, that doesn't happen. Yeah, they're like, who else could we call? Boy, just nobody else available. <laughs> nope, nope, nobody else. I don't, I'm pretty sure Iceman's in college, Angel's on the butt, and Beast is, well, you know, Beast is Beast. <laughs> Doing his Beast thing. <laughs> Gross. Uh, so the Wolverine is sitting in a big chair, drinking probably a beer. Tigra is hovering above him. And there's like a little bit of back and forth between Tigra and Wolverine, which I guess is supposed to be somewhat humorous because they're both cat-like. Well, she's all trying to be, uh, you guys are all doom and gloomy. And he's all like, back off, cat lady, lady cat. And then they get into a fight. It gets out of hand. And Cyclops comes in and says, I don't believe this kitty behaves more like an adult than a lot of you put together. And she, too, is a cat-type character. Her name's Kitty. Tea and sandwiches, sir. Are you certain you won't rest, Professor? If you'll pardon my saying it, you don't look well, says Jarvis, serving up some tea. I would love a rest, Jarvis, and to be honest, I feel wretched, but I'll survive, thank you. What happened, Charlie? Well, off-panel, <laughs> I was doing a lot of stuff. <laughs> and now I'm tired. Don't call me Charlie. Call me Charles. I attempted to establish telepathic contact with Alandra. And uh, that didn't work. And it, it made me really tired. Even though on the ship I said I wouldn't do this because it would clue the captors onto the plan. Well, he was worried that they were going to rush in guns a blazing. Ah. That's what I thought, at least. It wasn't, it wasn't entirely clear what was going on there. Yeah. He says when he's rested, he'll make another attempt. But in the meantime, uh, they want to know where Corsair is because they've got questions for him. But... I thought Corsair was a criminal. Why would the Shi'ar let Corsair go with the x You know what? That's a great question. <laughs> Thank you. You'd think that he would be in a holding cell. Like, no, X-Men, you cannot have this fugitive. Well, anyways. Uh, he's apparently out for a walk with Storm. But we will flash our attention back to the Shi'ar ship where Kitty is standing on a, I don't know, a bridge of some kind where she is looking out and the planet Earth and the Shi'ar fleet, and she's like, wow, this is crazy. I've seen pictures in books on TV and movies, but the reality is so majestic. It takes my breath away, Kurt, and leaves me as tongue-tied as Peter. But I'll continue talking. <laughs> He's not very good with words. Hee-hee-hee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. We can't let the Shi'ar destroy anyone, not even the Earth. Kitty, you're shivering. Or 
What is our Nightcrawler voice? Uh, I give up. <laughs> Why are you still wearing your bathing suit? Even if you control the environment of the starship, you must be chilly. Didn't they provide a change of clothes? Kitty's like, they provided me something a little bit better. Look at this gizmo I discovered. And it's a clothes-changing machine. So she dis- she saw the machine, she realized it was a clothes-maker machine, and she didn't think to herself, boy, I should make some clothes. Ah, uh, yeah, I guess not. No, she's- Well, she was saving the moment so she could show off to Nightcrawler, because that's what the <laughs> professor would do. Yeah, I suppose so. So she changes herself into, uh, she's got a green nightgown type thing. Then she's got like a white phoenix looking costume. Then she's got like a Shi'ar Imperial costume. And then she changes herself into Darth Vader. Twitch Nightcrawler says, Kitty! I want to know, if you can change your outfit to look like Darth Vader, why wouldn't you leave it that way? <laughs> She's walking around. Who is this? It's, I'm Darth Vader. <laughs> I am Darth Vader. Is how it would sound. <laughs> <coughs> Nightcrawler's like, I'm pleased that you're taking our imprisonment so well. But really, Kitty is scheming. Like, well, looks like I'm playing with the machine, but what I have is access to their computers, and I'm able to f- do stuff. With, with that on our side, plus your ability to teleport and mind to phase through walls, we'll be able to go anywhere on this tub and do anything. And Nightcrawler then says, Kitty, are you aware how my powers work? <laughs> I can't teleport anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen how useless I am. So... <clears throat> Storm has changed into a normal outfit, uh, and Corsair is walking around in his space pirate costume in downtown Manhattan, which I guess is probably not too out of the norm. Uh, it looks like everybody's uh, checking them out as they walk by. It's like, why is that hot black woman walking with that space pirate? <laughs> or why is that hot black woman walking with that gay man <laughs> in his leotard? Uh, but they don't talk about it. I mean, it's uh, Corsair's talking about like the last time he was in New York over 20 years ago and things have changed and this isn't his world anymore. You talk about how similar that is to Peter living on the farm and now living in the real world. And they talk a little bit about how Scott could never understand what it's like to have your wife or uh, partner die. And Storm says, uh, Gene Gray's dead. Oh, my, my poor boy. Uh, one thing I we, we totally skipped by, it's something I like to comment every time we see it, is on the very first page of the issue, uh, we find out that Cyclops is 20 years old. Oh, oh okay. Yep. Well, maybe a slightly That's... older. For 20 years, Scott Summers, member of a team of mutant superheroes known as the X-Men, has believed himself to be an orphan without a family, save his younger brother. So I guess he could oh, be... So he's probably like 24 or something. He, yeah. So his first memories might be when he's four years old. So, yeah. 23 or 24 years old. But, yeah, just an aside that I had forgotten to mention. Uh, anyways, so they walk around and uh, somebody from atop a construction zone pulls out a gun and says... Target in sight, m'lady. Yeah, I would assume he sounds like that. <laughs> That's your, uh... At your mm. command, Corsair dies! And the Terran Windrider with him! I don't know about that. No? It's gotta be something like <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, I, was trying to think of, I was trying to think of a clever, funny, but sort of out-of-place voice for this character. I didn't, I didn't come up with anything, mm. so yours is just gonna have to do. <laughs> so... 
Yeah, it's uh, we we zoom back a little bit from the the first picture we saw was of a gun. We pull back a little bit, and we see that it is a xenomorph holding a gun and talking. Well, it's it's sort of a xenomorph. I mean, it definitely resembles a xenomorph for sure. It's a but xenomorph. it's got it's a lot more different than John Burns' version of the xenomorph. That's true. John Burns was more classic, well, alien. Uh, and this is, well, this is very alien-esque, but they're smaller creatures and uh, whatever. They talk. And I don't really like the fact that they talk. Uh, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how, as we proceed, if they continue to talk or if this is a trait that goes away. Mm. But, uh, well, we find out in a couple of panels. This is the first appearance of a brood. It's true. So the brood is aiming his gun at Storm and Corsair, but someone, a pair of legs, says... They are dangerous, Skullkill. Skurkle? Skurkle. They're dangerous, Skurkle. <laughs> Skurkle. <laughs> I am the evil Skurkle. <laughs> uh, you are the court jester, Skurkle. Now go juggle for me. Oh, fine. <laughs> Very well. <laughs> uh, but we do get uh, a little bit of dialogue here. They might even prove a match for your precious mother. Setting up, well... Kind of the hivey nature of the brood. The mother of us all is what Skirkle calls her. <laughs> yes. But uh, this lady, this winged lady, as we find out in the next panel, jumps out. She says, I'll take care of this. I've fought them before. Has she? Uh, I don't remember. I know. I know in doing Avengers of the issues of the Avengers, we have definitely met this person before, but I don't remember her fighting the. <laughs> The X-Men. The uh, X-Men at all. Yeah. Well, neither do I. It would be nice if they like gave us a little reference. Yeah. As I read this, it seemed to me that she wants to take down the Terran and Corsair. But then Skirkle is like, the brute fears nothing. And he fires his gun at both Corsair and Storm, which causes them to go a little bonkers. Yarg! <laughs> so Corsair, it looks like, well, basically this is like a, like a, Psy gun of some kind, and it causes Corsair to see. Look at the silhouette of Storm for a second. Her her boobs are like <laughs> very specifically. They they look like some sort of uh, malformed. I don't know. It just looks wrong. It it does look like it does look wrong. Uh, and boobs is going to be a theme of this week's episode. I, I probably should have mentioned that earlier. Between <laughs> this Tiger and the Dazzler issue, there are boobs abound. This week's episode is brought to you by boobs. Boobs. <laughs> and and Skirkle. Skirkle. Skirkle's boobs. Um, Corsair sees aliens, I guess, and Storm sees... Well, they they say it's the uh, it's their deepest subconscious... But twisted and reshaped, so I think um, they they call it their primal fears. Right. So I don't. I I think that it's actually Wolverine. Okay. So because look at it, it's got claws. It's got a nice hairline. Yeah. 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 Sure. 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 So Storm's deepest fear is Wolverine. Well, it's interesting. It doesn't really look like a Wolverine, though. I mean, but I mean, I guess you could make the argument that it's like a a twisted amalgamation of a of a Wolverine. It, it's nothing like a wolverine <laughs> but i'm going with that story because it makes it interesting so the character that we're talking about the winged lady who soars on down and, and knocks corsair and storm over 
Her name is Deathbird. And I recognize her from when she fought Hawkeye. Yes. As a matter of fact, that issue is actually referenced on the next page. But before we get to that, a optic beam comes out of nowhere and shoots her in the face. <laughs> Pew! She calls herself the new empress of the Shi'ar. Deathbird! Zap! Ong! Tigra is like, ah, oh, nice, Scotty, right on target. You knocked her for the proverbial loop. So she's kind of like the Peter Parker of the group, always making them. She's the beast. She's the beast of the ah. Avengers. They're like, we need a hairy character to make quick-witted quips, and we're down a female. Somebody invent Tigra. <laughs> okay. Well, Tigra actually has an interesting history. Um, like, I don't know if you remember the in- Avengers... Like, I know very little about Tigra. Me too. But the the Avengers issues that I was doing where Patsy Walker, who was a character that I think that was invented in the 40s of Marvel, uh, as one of those, like, um, you know, romance mags that they used to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Patsy Walker was somebody. But she became Hellcat. Oh. I don't know if you recall those those issues of Avengers that I did. Nope, not at all. Well, well the <laughs> she, she found the costume of Hellcat and the original Hellcat uh, was like a four issue miniseries back in the sixties, I believe. And that woman transformed into Tigra. So she went from being a costumed character named Hellcat to becoming a physical Hellcat of sorts. Yeah. But this woman's name is like Diana Greer or something like that. Well, yeah. Patsy, Patsy Walker is the new Hellcat. Oh, she found the costume. Got it. After this uh, Tigra Greer lady uh, left it behind. Huh. So this Tigra character, she's not a mutant. What is she? Is she like, did she roll around in some plutonium and become Tigra? Is it an enchanted costume? Like, what's the scoop? Uh, I'm going with plutonium. That sounds good to me. (laughs) Okay. I have no idea what her origin is. I just know that she is like originally from like a really early Marvel character that they transformed into this, which I found found interesting, but did not research it well enough to actually read any issues of Hellcat or Tigra history. All right. Uh, One day. Got a lot on my hands. I'm with you, man. It's a lot to keep track of. Uh, So Tigra jumps on top of a bus, and she's like, I recognize her from the Avengers files. Is that what the Avengers do whenever, like, they don't have anything to do? They just kind of read through the files? That's what they all do. Like, the X-Men. Like, oh, I've never seen this character before, but I have read all about him in the X-Men files. So, yes, they don't watch TV. They don't play video games. When it comes time for downtime, they they open up the files and they just start reading about random villains. Betcha. Which, you know, I mean, if you're going to be a group that, that, I mean, that makes sense, actually. I mean, that's an overachiever right there. It's like, oh, I've read about you in the files. I want to know the slacker that's like, man, I was supposed to read those files and I didn't. So I don't know what this person does or who this person is. <laughs> Anyways, uh, and we also get the reference back to Hawkeye uh, in the in Avengers number 189. And apparently she was in jail. So I thought Deathbird was a Shi'ar. Uh, it looks like it. I mean, she's got the weird feather head. So she must have, uh, what, came down to Earth, did some bad stuff. Hawkeye took her into custody and they sent her to jail. Yeah. And so when she was on trial, they're like, okay, Miss Deathbird of a different planet. 
Maybe she never made it to trail. Maybe she busted out of jail like almost immediately. Oh, she was waiting for bail and her awaiting trial. All right. Maybe it was one of those. She was on the in the prison uh, carrier uh, van on the way to the jail, and she got busted out. Yeah, and the 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 bus hit a hit a rock, and a spare or the tire blew, and the bus rolled over, and they were all able to escape. Yeah, or or she twisted her thumb so that she was able to escape from the uh, handcuffs. Got it. Sure. Well, anyways, Tiger goes, uh, jumps off the bus onto Deathbird, and is like, "I'm gonna get you, sucker!" But there's kind of like some cat and bird back and forth, and Deathbird's like, "I'm the master of the sky," and throws Tiger down towards the ground. But it's okay. She's a cat-like reflexes. She does some flips and some hops, and she's safely on the ground. There's a lot of, uh, like, Dave Cockrum likes to draw the other characters in the issue watching the, like, character who is the main actor in the panel. Yeah. So we get, uh, we get Colossus, or uh, Cyclops and the Professor just kind of watching Tiger jump in, and they're just like, whoa. Did you see what you did? It's amazing. Dude. Deathbird pulls out some javelins and whacks them together. And that causes a beam to go shooting at Colossus, or shooting at the professor, but Colossus jumps in the way and deflects the beam, and it makes a big noise. And it deflects into a car, and uh, someone says, yeah, well, that'll teach someone where not to park. And does that mean that this person is illegally parked? <laughs> or was he just making some sort of a jerk quip? Because then somebody says, that someone is me, lady, and these freaks are going to pay for what they did. I'm calling the cops. I think the lady's just kind of being a jerk. Or maybe she's just in shock. I mean, a car literally just blew up right next to her. <laughs> I'm never parking there. Uh, Cyclops like, police won't be able to do any good against Deathbird. We got to stop him. Let's go. There's a sniper in the construction site. Ooh, inside the IBM construction site. Do you think that's oh, international wow. business machine? It's got to be. Wow. Well, it doesn't have to be, but yeah. I bet it is. Yeah. So uh, Cyclops shoots Deathbird in the face again, but apparently she's quite strong and he daren't use any more power because his optic blasts, uh, if they were anywhere near full strength, would probably kill her. And even though she's trying to kill us, we wouldn't want that to happen. Well, you know, they're good guys. Yeah, I suppose. That's what good guys do. Even Deathbird's like, whoa. She calls them grubbers, so that must be her slang for humans. The grubber's force beam hurt me. I need time to recover my wits. I'm battleground where my foes are at a disadvantage. So she flies atop the construction zone. Flush her out, Wolverine. But watch yourself. She isn't alone. The more the merrier, pal. Hey, Tiger, you want to learn how to live dangerously? Tag along. Meanwhile, Storm and Corsair are fighting what they think is their internal demons, but it's really each other. Colossus and Cyclops step in, and these guys just don't even realize what's going on. Corsair turns around and is like, he thinks that Cyclops is Deken. He's like, I'll kill you for killing my wife. But the professor pops in and is like, oh, I've psychically cured him. They're fine. They're fine. <laughs> well, Cyclops is thinking to himself, I could hurl him off with an optic blast, but I don't want to hurt him. I, I can't. And that's when the professor beams in and says, and you shall not, Cyclops. Oh, was I reading your mind again? Darn it. <laughs> I got to stop announcing myself. They were so loud. <laughs> I just couldn't control myself. Uh, so he counteracts the psychic uh, uh, implications on them. 
uh, Corsair's like, dude, I'm sorry. I like the shot of Corsair. He looks aghast. <gasps> Whoa. Never mind. Remind me not to make you mad, Corsair. You play for keeps. Uh, yeah, they have a little kind of father-son moment. I'm so sorry. Your feelings about me are justified. And Cyclops is like, well, maybe I was a little harsh in my judgment. Uh, do Corsair's guns just kind of appear out of like it, it, nowhere? It does appear that way. I don't That's know cool. if he like magically pulled them out of invisible holsters or if they just appeared in his hand. But either way, <laughs> whatever it is, Star, uh, Cyclops should learn to use this. No kidding. For all of his visors that he carries all over his body. Uh, Shi'ar technology. But uh, somebody drops the Deathbird name, and he's like, Deathbird? She's part of the reason I came to Earth. I couldn't tell you this earlier, but now I am. The Starjammers learned that she's been a guiding force behind the rebellion against Lilandra. If she's here, Lilandra can't be far. Who is this Deathbird? Storm says. Whoever she is, she has much to answer for! And she runs into the IBM construction facility, as does Corsair. And Cyclops says, Storm, Corsair, wait! I have a plan. I don't think that to fruition. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. It's kind of weird. Uh, but it's also kind of out of character for Storm to fly off the handle like that and just take off. So. Well, they both, I mean, I'm, I'm accounting it to the fact that they were both just zapped for a while and they're probably a little shaky. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. But Well, anyways, uh, Skirkle is, uh, he's up on top of the building. He's getting ready to fire some more beams off at the... The, the leader of Deathbird's foes, presumably the professor, which is when si or, uh, Wolverine appears and pops his Sneak claws. It. The name's Wolverine, sucker. You want Charlie, you have to take me first. Skirkle. And the fight doesn't last very long. Uh, presumably Skirkle is killed pretty quickly. Oh, no more Skirkle? <laughs> no more Skirkle. I thought we would have years to develop this amazing character. <laughs> he would become a supervillain in his own right. Akin to Magneto. <laughs> I am Skirkle. I am power. From now on, all of the brood's names are Skirkle. <laughs> well, we've, we, I mean, we haven't established it yet, but they are kind of a hive. So, it, 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 I mean, that could be true that all brood are Skirkle. <laughs> we are Skirkle. We are brood. I am Skirkle. I am Skirkle. I am Skirkle. One of us. <laughs> one of us. So the gun goes falling into the hands of another Skirkle, I, I, I can see it here, who fires the gun off at Storm and it wraps her up in some green webbing. Cool. And another beam is shot at the Professor, but again, Colossus jumps in the way, but this time something's different. It's eating through his clothes. It's eating through his metal. It's acid. The Professor can't stop the acid, but he can shut off the pain. Yes. So that's, that's useful. Uh, Cyclops starts calling out orders. Tigra dive for Storm, swing her toward Wolverine. She does that, Wolverine uses his claws to cut the webbing off, and then he says, uh, uh, go get the lady cat, I'll get the sniper. So Storm goes from the, basically the web shreds, over to Tiger to catch Tiger, who was like, wow, I had no idea that this was all part of the plan. Thanks for catching me. <laughs> and they all land, and Storm sees Colossus. Colossus is like, I'm doomed, and she's like, no. She conjures up a monsoon, or a lightning bolt to disintegrate the acid and water to wash away the residual acid, uh, leaving him burnt but 
really no worse for the wear at this point. That's good. Good yeah. job, Storm. So, I mean, that was a, if that was his plan, Cyclops is a really quick thinker on his feet. <laughs> I have a plan, and it involves you running into that building and us rescuing uh, Colossus, who's, I know, right now, just standing behind me, looks perfectly safe. But trust me, in about five minutes, this is all going to come into play. Just watch. Colossus is kind of acting like a target this issue, so he's probably going to get hurt. Wolverine takes out another Skirkle, uh, which disintegrates, and they're like, oh my god, what happened to that Skirkle? And he's like, they're made of acid, and they disappear, or they uh, they disintegrate. They tend to do that. Uh, Wolverine has been killing these guys left and right, but he says, you guys you guys are better fighters than anyone or anything I've ever met. It doesn't seem like it. <laughs> no. Uh, I think he just likes killing lots of things. He's killing Skirkles left and right. Uh, down in the maybe the basement of this building, Corsair's uh, poking around. He sees a couple of Skirkle broods that are firing at him, and he, he even he's like, I don't know what these are. They're not part of the Shi'ar. How did Deathbird come to ally her, uh, herself with them? What do they want? There was a Xenomorph at the table of the Shi'ar in that one issue, but it's not one of them. No, these guys are much smaller than that guy. That's when the rest of the X-Men show up and Cyclops says, Having a good time, Pop? No complaints. What kept you? Traffic, what else? <laughs> hey, Scott. When you called me Pop, it didn't sound like a joke or an insult. It wasn't. Let's shake hands. And they do. Let's rescue the Empress. So they fire. Uh, everybody fires. Even Wolverine, he's got himself a little alien gun. Uh, Tiger's got one too. Tiger's Cyclops uses his optic beam. Storm uses lightning, and they blast the broods. So they were all like, "Oh, the Sidri! How could you kill the Sidri?" But here they're like, "Broods, kill them." Well, you know, Wolverine has made it clear in the pat in the last panel that it's okay to kill these non-human creatures. They don't feel pain, so it's okay. <laughs> it ain't human it ain't nice, and I already killed three of them, so we're good to go. <laughs> Uh, it, it it matters not because Deathbird has captured Psych or uh, Professor X, and he's like, "I'm going to kill him." And Storm's like, "But we left Colossus back there. What could have happened?" Oh. So they reason that Deathbird must be inhibiting his psi powers, or he'd have used them by now. Uh, so she's like, "I'm I'm out of here, folks." And that's when she throws something at the X Men. It explodes and. We find that the IBM construction site was concealing a spaceship. Apparently it was constructed along with the uh, construction of the building itself, uh, perhaps as some sort of the building was a cover-up. And as the ship launches, uh, the, the aftermath is a 60 stories of glass, granite, concrete, and steel come crashing down on the X-Men. What I want to know is how did she get the ship inside this building how did nobody notice that there was a spaceship inside of this construction site well the, i'm i'm guessing that the brood have been doing this like the brood have a lot of stock in ibm yeah and um they skirkle managed to use his uh shares in the business to construct to kind of do an offshoot site got it and uh i don't know i guess maybe they've been around for a while I wonder if we'll learn more about whether or not the Brood have a history with Earth or whether this is just like a one-off weird thing. This strikes me as just uh, 
a neat idea that they had, but nobody really put any thought into, like, how could anybody pull this off? Deathbird was on the planet. She was in jail. Like, what resources does she have to be involved with this? Uh, so many reasons that this couldn't be possible. But anyways... It's like one of those throwaway plots that they never really do anything with. Like, remember when the professor was a jerk for a while? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What happened to that? Yeah, nothing. Well, he's still kind of a jerk, but just not as much of a jerk as he was. Yeah, but it was like it was an out of character jerk for a little while, and then they just kind of dropped that whole thing. Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, the X Men and Tigra and Corsair are like, wow, that sucked. <laughs> So Cyclops shoots his way out of the building. All of the X-Men pull themselves out of the wreckage, and they're like, well, what about Colossus? How could this have happened? Where is Colossus? And they find him laying face down in the street in his unarmored form with a spike through his back. Colossus, Peter, someone call an ambulance. And they flip him over, and the spike is going through his chest. And Wolverine's like... He's got like a woe is me face on and he's like, if one was already here, psych, it wouldn't make a difference. If he was in the best hospital in the world with the best doctors, it wouldn't do any good. You'll be missed, Petey, and you'll be avenged. And then the police show up and say, no false moves, ladies and gentlemen, you're under arrest. (sighs) Next issue. Star Chaser, chasing across the universe, Star Chaser. But not really, because it won't be called Star Chase. Well, I had to get that song out. We'll find out more next issue. But until that time, uh, so an okay issue. Um, I don't know about you, Adam. I don't really care about Star Jammers or Shi'ar, but I've always kind of liked the brood for some reason. They're kind of neat. Uh, I don't like these brood because they are very talkative. And again, like I said, I feel like that gets updated or changed later on and they, they don't talk. I agree with you. There's something about the brood that just feels like a part of the X-Men history that matters. Whereas the star jammers never, they always seem sort of incidental. Like Chris Claremont was really trying to start up a new comic. Yeah. 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 The one series that uh, I didn't read that came out, well, relatively recently was the rise and fall of the Shi'ar empire, which I can't remember if they brought the star jammers in for that or not. Uh, That was a 12 part uh, series. I got about halfway through it before I was just really bored. <laughs> Never finished it. Well, I, think, I can't wait till we get there. <laughs> it'll be a long time until we get there, but uh, yeah. Doesn't that involve the third summer's child? Yes, sir, it does. Biggest problem I had with that uh, those issues was, I don't know if they were doing it bi-weekly, uh, but they had Billy Tan doing every other issue, and those were good because he's a pretty good artist. And then they had, like, a uh, guest artist of the month doing the other, every other issue. And those issues look like crap. You know, they brought back Corsair, and they brought back a mysterious third Summer's brother. I wonder if they're ever going to bring back Scott's mother. Huh. Like, maybe maybe Corsair got it wrong, and the whole thing was staged, and she was just trying to get out of his life. And <laughs> she's the cause of the whole thing. She had already had all these connections with the Shi'ar and a relationship with the Ken Maybe she had some hold over him to convince him to like stage her death in front of her husband, and now she's off being some sort of super cool space empress. Yeah, man. I mean, as soon as they get done with whatever they're doing these days in the X-Men, with Cyclops being whatever he is, uh, somebody should do that story. In the, in the Marvel Universe now, start, like young Cyclops is hanging out with Corsair, and old Cyclops 
is in some sort of uh well I don't know is he still is he still a bad guy sort of or I guess a renegade or a outlaw I would say that I'm a good 6 to 8 maybe even 9 months behind uh so I have no idea but I think I think I'm more than that yeah I got it was neat when it first started and then it just kind of dragged and I was like yeah so I read I, th- I think I read all new X-Men up to issue 6 or 7 but I kind of lost track. I've been eating a lot of old comics lately, so. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I mean, it tied in nicely with what we were reading, but then it kind of went off on its own tangent, as it could, because how much of that could you actually write? Uh, but at any rate, uh, we'll get there when we get there. Uh, one other, I mean, I guess, uh, spoiler, if you will, many, 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 many issues, hundreds of issues from now, we get introduced to a little brood dude who's on Wolverine's oh, yeah. X-Men. Yeah, he's awesome. He is awesome. His name is Skirkle. His name is Skirkle Jr. Yeah. He's Brew. What's his name is Brew, you're right. And he wears like a suit and he's got like ties and he's like all classy and stuff. Uh they kill him. Well, sorta. Oh, do they? Oh, see, I didn't read uh, if there's a follow on to it then I don't know it, but I just saw him dead and I was like, "Oh man, I'm really sad. I like that little guy." <laughs> Which is what exactly what they intended you to feel, but then you you keep reading and oh. Does he become dark brew? He's always like combating the brood nature. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't read much past the point where they shot him either. Oh. Just enough to see that in the next couple of issues, he was in the X-Men hospital. Oh, Still really? alive. Oh. But I don't know if he ever made it or not. But I'm suspecting he did. The last panel, he he looked dead, man. He was on the ground, like in a full page splash. Yeah, Come on. Every death means nothing in the Marvel universe. That is true, unless it's uh, uh, Uncle Ben. No, in our universe too. Oh, really? I'm gonna go jump off my house when I'm done with this. I'll see you next week. All right, Adam. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can do so by emailing us at dangerroom at redcapproductions.com, visiting us at facebook.com forward slash dangerroom podcast. You can visit our homepage at xmenpodcast.com where all of the episodes are located. You can subscribe there. You can leave us some comments, some feedback, uh, or you can go out to the iTunes page by going uh, into iTunes, searching for Danger Room in the Apple iTunes shop, where you should be the first one that comes up if you type in Danger Room. From there, you can also subscribe on your iDevice, leave us a five-star review uh, or or. Just five stars, I guess. You don't even have to say anything. You could also call us at 501-GET-X-MEN and leave us a voice message where you, too, will hear yourself on this podcast. Um, we can be listened to on Stitcher, and you can follow us at Danger Room Go. Oof, I think that's so true. Uh, so, on that note, uh, I read Dazzler, or as this episode should have been called, or issue, it should have been called Boobsler. I don't know <laughs> if you're even looking at it, but the cover of this one is, uh... Yeah, there are definitely some boobs looking right at me. <laughs> it is boobtastic. So you've got, uh, you've got Dazzler squatting down on the ground, and she's got lots of cleavage aimed right at you. There are three women in the background who, they're big busted but they're they're all covered up at least so i mean it's just like they're just busty ladies but then you've got this other lady with like uh viking armor on her very large breasts aimed right at you the audience it's like they're staring at you (laughs) uh so this issue we find dazzler in the attic uh of her father's house kind of going through some of her mother's 
memorabilia. She finds what looks like an Aerosmith logo to me, but it's a beautiful <laughs> golden brooch. Uh, but her grandmother says, oh, your dad's coming. You got to get out of here. So she cleans up and she puts the brooch on and she's trying to get out of the house before her dad gets in. And by the way, every other shot of Dazzler, she's very cleavagey. <laughs> I just, this issue, let's see, is drawn by Frank Springer. So either he's like, I want to draw boobs or Jim Shooter's like, this comic's not selling, put boobs in. <laughs> One of the two. So Dazzler heads down. She's hugging her grandma Bella. And as she's about to make her escape, she bumps into Father Carter who's like, mm, really angry that you didn't follow in my footstep. And he finds the brooch attached to Dazzler's bosom, and I guess he gets it back. I don't know if he yanks it off her or if he's just like, give me that thing, it's not yours. She leaves, and uh, Grandma Bella is like, oh, if only she knew what her mother's full story was, she'd understand her father better. So there's a little bit of mystery behind Dazzler's mother. Uh, but even Grandma Bell's like, well, maybe it's better that she doesn't know anything about her mother. Was her mother Ann Summers? <laughs> maybe. Maybe. That would make for interesting storytelling. The rest of this part is, is uh, basically she's heading back to... Actually, no, she does not lose her brooch. Although it looks like uh, Father Carter is holding on to the brooch in this last panel. But on the next page, she's got the brooch on. So I don't know what's going on there. She makes her way back to her agent, and she's like, hey, you got any work for me? And he's like, things are still a little cool with you, but you saved me from the tech master, so why don't you go see this guy, uh, and he'll give you a job. So she heads out uh, to the guy. He's a bald dude. He's apparently kind of scummy, but at least he gets work. And it turns out that the job is singing happy birthday to a shirtless construction worker, courtesy of Local 1142. She sings her telegram, and she heads off to a date with Paul. She's very happy to see him. He's a little bit tepid. She expresses her love for him, and he breaks up with her. She's oh. Yeah, she's mad. She's like, oh, I see. You invite me out to dinner in a public place, and then you break up with me? You coward. I'm going to make a scene right here, right now, and I'm going to let the world know that Paul Jansen is a rat. And she leaves. <laughs> On her way back to her apartment, two guys are like, hey, you're under arrest. And she's like, what? And she's like, they're like, yeah, you murdered a man called Claw. Remember him, right? Is he the sound guy? He's the sound guy. She absorbed Claw in the issues that led up to her being kidnapped by Galactus. So she's like, what? They kidnapped me. I'm not going with you guys. So she takes him out with her Dazzler beams and she runs away. A couple of other guys uh, step out of the hallway and shoot at her, but they miss. She has Dazzler beams now? Whatever you call them. Dazzle blasts. <laughs> So she's uh, uh, she's running away, and she's like, well, what am I going to do? I can't go back to my, partner, uh, my apartment. Uh, don't really feel all that safe sleeping in this creepy alleyway with this ho homeless guy, which is kind of funny. The, of all the alleyways she chooses to sit in, she's sitting in the one with, like, the most muscly, uh, decrepit uh, homeless man. But... <laughs> so then she rides the subway for a little while and she's like well this sucks I don't want to be on the subway so she goes to a movie theater and she's like well, what am I going to do now I can't just watch movies and she falls asleep she gets kicked out and finally she's like well ugh, I guess I'll have to go turn myself in so she goes to the police uh, department and she's like I'm guilty of murder and they're like no you're not but then a guy from uh, somewhere in the police department is like yes you are you're coming with us uh, because you killed Claw and they determined that because her um, 
resistance of arrest was so uh, brutal uh, that she will not be released on bail and she needs to spend a night in Rikers Island. Whoa. Yes. So she goes to Rikers Island and that night she's sleeping. And if we look at this last panel, she's wearing kind of a, a, a orange longish shirt and long pants, right? Nothing sexy here. I mean, you can see her, her waist a little bit, but that's it. Right. It's not, it's not all that sexy. Is it? She's kind of in a sexy pose. Like, Oh, I'm sleeping. But, you know, nothing too <laughs> revealing. Well, anyways, on the next panel, her shirt shortens up as a couple of women jump in and are like, you're coming with us. And they drag her out and we get cleavage abound as they drag her into a room, throw her into uh, another room. And that's where all these women are. And we meet Titania, who is apparently the leader of the... Who are these people? The Orange is the New Black Clan? Yes, the Orange is the New Black Clan. Uh, and as you can see, Dazzler's shirt just keeps getting shorter and shorter as we go on here. In the third panel on this page, you get to see your very first glimpse of Dazzler bottom boob. You'll see this a lot in this issue. Uh, and they're like, they want to meet the woman who killed Claw because they're all very familiar with Claw. And they're all like, this girl didn't kill Claw. Look at her. She's so wimpy and and small and so they start beating her and smacking her we get more cleavage shots in the third panel on this page uh where there's like well, you gotta leave something for screaming mimi all of a sudden dazzler's shirt is like a quarter shirt and you can see more bottom boob and her <laughs> pants are falling down now too which is kind of crazy screaming mimi comes out she's wearing like a tutu and she screams and it's too much for dazzler to take and now look at her shirt I feel like Screaming Mimi is a classic Marvel character. She probably is. So is Titania, I think, is a, a classic Marvel character as well. Oh, yeah. She's like a Hulk villain. Yeah. But, I mean, look at this shirt. I mean, if you go back two pages, it was down below her belly button. Now it can barely get over those heaving boobs of hers. So now she's laying on the ground and they're like, well, she wasn't so tough. So Titania gets down off of her, her, her little makeshift uh, uh throne and she's getting ready to take dazzler up but dazzler's just playing possum she kicks titania in the shin we get some more cleavage she kicks her in the face and we get to see more bottom boob some people pull her hair and we get to see more bottom boob and dazzler uses uh the person who's got her as leverage to kick the other person that's coming towards her uh man there's just a bunch of fighting and cleavage and bottom boob it's just amazing how much boobs are in this issue. Um, Screaming Mimi comes back out, and she's about to let her have it again. Uh, but Dazzler is able to absorb, with some bottom boob, uh, the power of Screaming Mimi and let it all back out. And she takes out all of the girls. They're all passed out. She looks at the remaining girls who have just kind of been looking on. One of them's wearing a bikini in the background, which I find to be odd. <laughs> and she's like, you girls want some more? And they're like, no, that's, that's cool. So she... Heads back to her cell. She gets a good night's sleep, and they go on trial. Uh, there's some video of her killing Claw. Uh, her lawyer is like the uh, the court-appointed uh, defender, so she's kind of skeptical. But she's like, well, I can't reach out to my family because that's not the type of person I am. Eh, blah, blah, blah. Trial ensues. Long story short, a lot of people are interviewed. Quasar comes to her rescue and is like, nah, she's not so bad. But everybody else from the Project Pegasus was like, she's a ruthless blood-sucking killer uh but the jury eventually finds her not guilty 
And so the lawyer guy and Quasar are like, we should go out for drinks. And Dazzler's like, oh, I have to live with the fact that I killed with this man forever. Next issue, She-Hulk and the Blue Shield. Mm. So really, boys, the only reason to own this issue, and it's not even that good. I mean, I wonder if somebody at Marvel was like, women in prison. That's what we want. That sells. Oh, I didn't even make that connection, Adam. That's so obvious. <laughs> it's literally women scantily clad fighting in prison. Wow. 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 Man, they, to me, this is a rock bottom issue. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Did you do any reading this uh, week, Adam? I did. I read uh, The Defenders, uh, number 105, which didn't have nearly as much boob in it. <laughs> Darn it. Um. And this one, uh, we cut back to where we left off last issue where Doctor Strange is uh, helping Beast, and now Reed Richards has joined too. And it turns out that what Beast needs help with is he's been carting around Vera in her uh, glass uh, cage that was sustaining her life force from that Avengers issue way back when. And uh, he's got the pieces of the Resurrection Stone that he... He shattered that could have brought her back to life, but he chose not to. And after some investigation, Doctor Strange determines that they need to destroy the Resurrection Stone. And uh, Mr. Fantastic agrees, and they're, they're, everybody's pretty upset about it. But the only way to destroy the Resurrection Stone is to travel inside of it, which, okay. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> All right. So they're inside of the crystal, and, and the crystal, uh, it turns out the crystal has manipulated them into thinking that the only that they they need to gather the knowledge that's inside of the crystal but it was actually seducing them uh Doctor Strange in particular and now it uses tears and rain in order to crystallize all three of them uh Doctor Strange both tries to block using his crimson bands of Sidorak which apparently everybody in the Marvel universe has yeah i'm starting to wondering what the crimson bands of Sidorak really are or if there's just a lot of them. <laughs> I'm guessing there's a lot of them. So they all die. Well, they don't die. They all get frozen, and uh, the, the crystal, the the being that's inside of the crystal is able to uh, suck their essence out in order to rebuild the crystal, and eventually it's going to try to seduce the whole rest of the world. Meanwhile, the other thread that's been heading through this issue is that Damon Hellstrom, the son of Satan, has been trying to decide whether or not he wants to be a good guy or a bad guy. His story is that he's half human, half devil. And apparently Mephisto is his father, but it's I, it's weird because it's like the devil, but then the devil reveals himself to be Mephisto, but never they never say Mephisto's name. Um, and then he immediately makes uh, Damon Hellstrom forget that Mephisto, that he was ever Mephisto. Mm. So I'm not sure what the deal with that is. Um, he decides to be human. He ends up heading back to Doctor Strangeland, uh, Strange's house, where he discovers the crystal uh, resurrected itself into its normal crystal shape. is no longer in shards, and he determines right away that Doctor Strange and, and the gang are. Uh, well, no, he he uh, the the crystal tries to do, seduce him, and he's like, no. I ain't having it. I just got over like the hardest decision of my life. I'm not going to be seduced by some stupid crystal. And he smashes it. And by smashing it, he releases Doctor Strange and Beast and Fantastic Four. Um, so they determined that they uh, they need to get rid of this crystal once and for all. And Beast accepts the fact that Vera is never going to live again. And then Hellstrom is like, well, what are you talking about? I can bring her back. And so he does. 
Oh. And the end is Beast is really happy. Yay, Vera's back. Zippity doo says Beast. Wow. Well, good for him. Yeah. So Vera's back. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> that's very, uh, uh, that's cool. I really never thought I would get this much information on Vera. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I'm good. Yay. Anything else, Adam? Negatron. All right, then. Well, uh, yeah, until next time, the danger room is closed. Rambo, what most people call hell, he calls home. No man, no law, no war can stop him. Sylvester Stallone is back. As Rambo, First Blood, Part 2.